We work hard, we play hard. We are gamerpreneurs. Individuals who have chosen to give up the security of a nine to five in favor of getting to set our own hours, of doing the work that we want to do, and we refuse to give up the hobby that we grew up with in order to quote, grow up. We have learned countless laws of life and sales from the games that we play, and we excel in everything we do. We see the wonder and glory in every interaction. We fit in awkwardly with the rest of the world because they don't understand our quirkiness, and we wear it as a badge of pride. We are focused, clear, and know what we want. We are gamerpreneurs, and we are taking over the world. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest for you. I have Kurioku. Hey there, Curry. How's it going? Hey. Hey. All right. Well, we have a fun-filled interview today. And so, Curry, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? So, I, you know, I'm a little bit of a competitive gamer. Um, I host tournaments for a long time. A lot of community work. Um, I like to do a lot of theory in games and like figure out my own kind of builds and, you know, like coach, coach games. Yeah. Okay. You coach games. That's pretty cool. So before we really get into that, cause like, I don't think I've had anybody who's been like a super hardcore coach on yet. I, I'm asked the same question in every interview just cause I want to start this on a, a fun note. All right. Mm-hmm. So on a scale of one to 10, 10 being high, how weird are you Curry? Yeah. So I've been going through your interview and seeing this question and, I think it's actually, funnily enough, uh, I don't really feel myself as weird, like, at all. I, I think I grew up with, like, gamers around me. I, people in my school played games. Um, I think everyone played games, so it was, like, always super normal to me. I, like, have never felt weird about playing games or anything. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad, you know, somebody has that experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a lot of us out there, though. We just feel awkward and out of place, so. Um, yeah, I thought maybe it was because um, I'm with, like, a smaller school, like, less than 100 people in my grade. And like most of the guys played games, so maybe that's why I was in like a smaller uh, neighborhood. Okay, and maybe just um, you're a little bit younger than I am, so maybe just the technology finally caught up in the schools that it was socially acceptable. Yeah, like y- Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon and stuff were all popping. So <laughs> in oh, Marine School, man, Yu-Gi-Oh. Do <laughs> uh, you guys have your link cables in school? <sighs> yeah, I guess when we were in elementary school. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So, tell me about coaching. Well, it depends on what you want to know. I mean, coaching is great. Um, Here, let's start with this. How did you first get into being a coach? All right. So I was climbing on the League of Legends ladder in season four, I believe. And while I was climbing, I ran into someone named Jeremy, uh, ELG Blondie. And he asked me to help his jungler on his team. Because it was someone at the high ranks of League of Legends. You start playing against the same people more and more often. And he had noticed me enough, and I think we'd even played together a couple times, and he just wanted someone to help with their jungler. Okay. And so he just asked for some help, and that's how you got started. You know, that's really cool. You, so you were a, a pro player then. Uh, what's it like being competitive? Yeah, well, I would say I was a competitive player because I wasn't getting paid to play. I was just very high ranked. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool, especially on – because most games with the ELO system, I find it – very enjoyable to play against like you get more into a community whenever you are at, at a high rank because you start playing against the same people and start knowing the people you're playing against and it changes the way the game feels instead of playing against random people all the time it's like oh well, I, you know I have, a, I have a record against this guy you know it becomes a little bit more personal 
Okay, so it's um, it's a more personal game at the higher levels. It's more, um, would you say it's more competitive? I mean, obviously they have to be good players. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely more competitive. And I think you naturally form more bonds with people because you see them more often and you start, you know, intermingling, especially in like the League of Legends scene where like, once you're in a higher rank game, most of your games are going to get streamed on Twitch by somebody, right? So. Yeah. All right. So I would normally save this question for a little bit later, but I think I need, we need to really kind of dive in and learn about your, your gamer cred in order to be able to like move forward. So can you like tell me when you, when did you first start playing games? Um, I think my first game was Pokemon Blue. Um, and that's a long time ago, you know, I was super young. Um, and then after that, I, I was just handheld games, I think, until... I played on, like, my dad played games. Like, and that's an, another reason probably doesn't feel weird to me. My dad also played games, and uh, he had a bunch of games for the computer. Um, I remember, like, some Star Trek games and space games. So when I was pretty young, as young as I can remember. Okay. So you've been playing as long as you can remember, and then eventually you ended up being a League of Legends competitive player. So, like, how did you, how did you get to that place? So what happened before that? Uh, there's, a, there's a long journey between League yeah, of Legends and there. Yeah, okay. So... Hmm. I think the first more competitive games I started getting into after doing all the casual stuff that, you know, everyone did in Nintendo 64, playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater and Pokemon Stadium, you know, I, I, I went through everything, you know, I guess my generation, we, we grew up at the same time, all the technology for the games were growing. So I, you just got things out that came out over and over again, you know, so um, it was almost all the console stuff that like everyone else until... I think probably RuneScape for like the first like computer game. And I did most like MMO stuff for a while. So I wasn't really a competitive gamer. I was mainly just playing MMO, like interact with people, right? Until I think a game called Raytheon, which is an old game, um, which was like a, like a battler. It's hard to compare it to anything nowadays. It's more like Continent of the Ninth was like the most recent um, game with the same kind of technology. And then... Alliance of Valiant Arms, which I'm going to probably talk about a lot here because that's the game I spent the most time in and the community that I built my original community around. And that's where I hosted events with first. A lot of stuff comes from AVA for me. And Hey, let's, legal- let's dig into that now. So, you know, instead of like going off and continuing the story, let's go ahead and like, what, what happened? All right. So for ABA was like the first game where like I bought a mic to talk to people. It was like my first like really getting into online gaming. Um, it was a pretty competitive game, not a very popular game, at least in um, North America. And was, I wasn't very good at computer games. Like I said, I just had got into, it's a, it's a shooting game, by the way. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, Alliance of Alien Arms or ABA. And so I wasn't very good, but it was a cool game. And it was had like a high skill ceiling, which I kind of like in most of the games I play to try to improve. And, you know, it took a while, but eventually I got, like, better. And uh, I was playing with, like, the better players of the game and playing in, you know, pickup games, pugs. And I started winning often enough that people noticed me. I started getting on teams and things like that. And eventually, one of the main people who ran the tournaments, he, he kind of left. He, like, disappeared. And then I picked up the mantle. That's where most everything began. Okay, so you picked up this mantle, and and then you started doing event planning, and and what else? Yeah, so I got kind of lucky, um, where I, was, I started hosting the tournaments, the pugs, like like maybe forty man events, I think once a week back then at the, at the very beginning, and then somehow, some way, um, raid call, which is 
I'm not sure if you ever used Raid Call. I think it was kind of popular with WoW for a little bit. I had like, back then. Yeah, so it was, it's like a voice chat program, right? And they reached out to me to sponsor the tournaments. And then in the same week, Cybersports Network reached out to partner with me. And so things scaled up real fast. And I, I think probably within the next week, I got a, a more established community to become part of my community. And then I hosted events and they became some of my staff to kind of do all this because I knew it was something I needed like more hands-on. Okay, and about when was this? How old were you? Probably 18. It was like right as I graduated, right in the end of my high school year. So 18 years old and you're, you're setting up tournaments and you're getting sponsors already and you're yeah, essentially yeah. running a business. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And that's fantastic. That's incredible, man. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It was, it was a good yeah, time. You know, walk us through the journey. Like, what happened with that? We're, like, keep going. All right. So, at first, we just held tournaments for this one game, ABA. Um, and it became, instead of a, a weekly thing, it became, like, a daily thing. And uh, the sponsorship money from Raycall basically went directly back into giving tournament prizes. And... I don't know. I guess we just scaled up. Like we started getting more and more people. And then we reached out to the game's publisher and they started supplying us with um, rewards for the tournament so that we didn't have to use all the money from the raid call to go into tournaments. And then we reached or we expanded. So the community I originally got was DFO League. And so they play a bunch of DFO. And so we had tournaments for DFO, ABA. Then we reached out to mm, some more publishers. I'm trying to remember the exact names, but it was mainly for shooting games. Uh, although we did even host some uh, League of Legends tournaments. Um, but yeah, we just expanded. We started running tournaments for lots of games. And I did that up to when a little bit after college. So I was doing it in, while I was in college as well. For a few years. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so while you were in college is when you start playing League of Le 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 you know, LOL. Yeah. <laughs> so... Okay. Um, so I'd played League a little bit before that, but I was not good. It was like something I definitely played like casually. It was, I'd never played a MOBA before. Um, I'd been, pretty much just been playing that shooting game and in like previous MMOs. And I, that's also when I was playing StarCraft. So I, I was trying about a lot of games in um, college, but I wasn't very good at League then. I was still like silver, I think so. Okay. Or silver and rank, sorry. So how, how did, so what made you decide to become a better player? Like. What, what, where did you decide to climb the ladder? Yeah, so I'm not sure if I made the decision to, to climb the ladder. I, I think I just got more time and I got a little bit more invested in the game. And very quickly, I went from silver, which is like the average rank of anyone that plays the game, to platinum, like in a couple weeks. And then that, I, whatever reason for that, which I, I understand now, but I didn't understand for, uh, at the time, I, I, you know, gave me the motivation to really try and I ended up being like the top 0.1 percentile in the next like few months. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So you, you had all this, you know, success playing this game and what happened was you were just playing and somebody else who had a competitive team asked you to coach. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, I coached his little friend and then, or his, his friend on the team, the, the jungler and the the manager of the team asked me to coach the team yep okay so not just the, the jungler but also the whole team yeah yeah like probably i don't even know the time frame it might have been the same day or he did he saw me <laughs> coach his jungler and he just asked me to coach the team instead okay and you know what how did that go because this is the gamerpreneur i want to know about the business side the money side so were you being paid to do this 
I was I was thinking about that earlier. I I'm not, I don't remember if I was getting paid to do that. I I remember in back then most most of the teams paid like five hundred dollars a month, um, or zero. It was like it was either zero or five hundred. Um, it's, I don't even remember to be honest. Okay, and so you know you you went from this one team up to it, like continuing the story. Like you had to be you coaching other people now. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. I it definitely progressed. That that was a, a few month thing. Um, preparing them for trying to reach the pro league, which we were unable to do. And then after that, I created my own team, and which was somewhat based off the community I previously had. Um, it's now named Star Peoples. It was Unified Competitive Gaming. And I created my own team while also applying to other orgs. And eventually I got picked up by another org and I coached for them up to there, you know, trying to qualify for the pro league. And then in the recent years, I've been coaching individuals and working with some colleges as well. Okay, how does that work, uh, coaching people? Like, do you, do you like over the shoulder tell them how to play? Or are you like showing them first? Or are you just kind of lecturing? Mm, so it's a little different for teams or individuals. But individuals, it's definitely more of lecturing. Um, I'm not too big of a fan on coaching people while they're playing I don't find it anywhere near as useful because there's so much more they need to notice at first I, like I've tried it and it's usually me trying to get them to get more information like I can't even tell them the right answer but they're not used to looking around the map or pressing the right things to look for the information to come up with the good decisions so I don't really find that that useful until they've built up the habit of looking at the right information okay so um he kind of talk us through your coaching style so you know, a little more lecture but um is it like a once a week kind of thing a once per month kind of thing how does it work yeah so in terms of coaching style i would say generally i like to work with people once a week unless it depends on like how often you play because you need you need time to really work on what i'm going to tell you um but usually it's once a week if not you know twice a week and generally lecture is about like like gaming truths or like game concepts that are just true regardless so that regardless of whether your opponent understands what they're doing, you know what they're doing and that way you can beat them. And I, I do that with every game that I coach. I, I should mention I, I haven't only coached league. I've coached some other things. What else do you coach? So I've coached a little bit of fighting games. Um, definitely the shooting game. I used to make videos, uh, tutorials for that shooting game. I made tutorials for a lot of games. I, I was a YouTuber for a little bit back then. So I, I've helped people improve at, you know, I've also been invited to coach some uh, like PUBG teams and stuff as well. So, so you're everywhere. Overwatch. Awesome. Yeah. 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 So I've tried a little bit of everything, but league is definitely the main, you know, priority. Okay. So what do you think makes you unique as opposed to anybody else who says they're a coach? Yeah, I, that's definitely very common in, in gaming. Like anyone can say they're a coach, right? So, um, I mean, I've done it for five years now, apparently. And I think that approach of teaching people game concepts as opposed to just pointing out, more obvious um, mistakes is not very common. I think most people do like the, more, like the most obvious they can see like, oh, you missed. It's like, okay, or you should have, you know, you shouldn't have died <laughs> as opposed to like teaching them like the thought process required to do the things you're telling them, right? I think that's definitely unique. Um, I think the fact that I don't, I don't follow what other people say is good advice. I kind of come up with what I, I believe is good advice. Well, you know, what works for me, what's worked now at this point, what has worked for, you know, the hundreds of people I've coached. And I go off of that. Like um, in league, there's very common 
advice that people give, which is like play like easy champions or play like specific champions or play a certain role. And that's not something I abide by. I, I go more off of uh, statistical analysis where I, you can play whatever you want. I don't care like what skill level you are, so long as you're doing well on that thing. Okay, wonderful. So it honestly reminds me of back when I was uh, guild leading in Warcraft, I would check everybody's stats all the time and then tell them what they were doing wrong just by looking at the numbers. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. That, that's like the first lessons. I, I look at their account and we try to come up with some logical conclusions. Okay, wonderful. So what kind of resources do you use to be able to do this? Do you have any like programs or software? Okay, so it's none of my personal software, but there are, for League of Legends, th thankfully, there's a lot of uh, websites that give out a bunch of information from the league API. And so I use Lawlytics a lot that has a bunch of statistics on champions and runes and like the builds for the champions and to look up the players. And uh, specifically, I use op.gg, um, which is a, it basically shows you the stats they have on the champion over a duration of time. So. Okay, wonderful. That's so cool. All right. Now, um, kind of going back to the business part of it, um, we, we spoke before we started to do this interview and you kind of kept bringing back your um, event planning and you were marrying it to your coaching today. You, you kept saying that there's this relationship between the two. Can you kind of go uh, explain a little bit about that for us? Yeah. So I th being in that community, I think really pushed me to teaching like how well, I had to teach a lot of people to help me, right? So again, I'm 18, I, I needed people to work with me. And so um, I had to like have, teach people to do what I was doing, which was the event hosting. And, and then as I moved up, I had to move other people up and have, help them learn how to recruit the people below them. And so I, I think that was a really big part of me learning how to coach was me just teaching people um, to help me run the events. So I, that's what I, I, I think I meant when I was saying like those things really connect. And I also did like a little bit of community things back in the Halo days, Halo 3 days. Um, and like, if anything, I would say if at any point that I felt weird, I, I think it was when I was in Halo 3 communities. Cause I think people thought being in a community back then was a little weird, <laughs> which okay. is like Section 8 gaming. I'm not sure if anyone would remember, but like Section 8 game, gaming or in KSI, like KSI tag was very popular back then. But um, yeah, I, I think that's what really got me into teaching others and running teams and then eventually teaching League of Legends is what, you know, where I progressed to. Okay, wonderful. Now you mentioned that you had some people guiding you before. Do you still have mentors? Do I still have mentors? I, I don't think I, I do. I definitely did. Um, there, I, there aren't really people I keep up with in terms of like teaching me, but I, especially like I can remember very specific people who helped me a lot back when I first ran uh, UCG. Um, the COO of CSN, John Clark, helped me a lot with running that, um, which, you know, really good advice to get, or really good, I was really lucky to have someone like that uh, help me in that endeavor. Yeah. Yeah. So for someone who, like, is starting out, they, they're essentially where you were at 17. They know nothing, right? Mm -hmm. So um, how important would it be for that person to have a mentor? What kinds of things are they going to show you? I mean when it comes to like mentorship and coaching, like as I've gotten more into it, I realize like it's, it's ridiculously important. Like it's really hard to find someone good, um, at least in the gaming industry, but in terms of mentorship, I think that's a little easier. Um, but the point is if you find someone really good, it's gonna, it's worth all the money if it co even costs money. Um, you know, I think it's invaluable. It saves ridiculous amounts of time of 
trial and error, you know? Okay. Now, um, if you could go back and give yourself some advice, you know, what would you say about the business side of it? Not necessarily the coaching, but the business side of it. Okay. So I think some advice I can give in terms of the business side of everything I did was don't rely on others. I think you have to work a lot on doing things yourself or, or else you're, you'll find yourself always waiting, always waiting and not progressing. And you, this is something I even like John Clark even told me is like, you, yeah, you can have people like help you with design, but you really should learn how to do some of it yourself. Cause if you always wait on other people, it, it's, it's, you're always gonna be disappointed to some degree eventually. Like they might work with you pretty well for a little bit, but then, you know, life happens, especially if you're working online with a bunch of people online. Um, you really need to be able to put everything in your, in your own power. Absolutely. No, you need to be able to rely on yourself, but also vice versa. You can't do everything yourself. So you do yeah. have to be able to rely on people to some extent. For sure. I, I, that's what I mean. It's like, if they're, if they're unable to do something, you need to be able to at least do the, the minor parts, you know, a passable job, right? I would, I would shout cast some of my own tournaments if I couldn't find casters, for example. I would create the graphics for my tournaments if I couldn't find casters, things along those natures. Okay, wonderful. Now, say um, you're talking to someone who's looking to get into the esports game, not the game, but, you know, yeah, yeah. the arena. Uh, what advice would you have for someone who's you know, a decent a player but hasn't picked a game yet, hasn't really started anywhere? So if they're trying to get into playing, like being a player in esports? Sure. yeah. Like I said, if you can find a good coach, that would be great. It's definitely hard to find good coaches, but you can try to, you know, at least try some some people out, you know. Um, and and there are, there's so many resources on, online, which I would imagine anyone that's trying to push for competitive are already using some of those resources. I think, you know, in the vein that what I do is like play, start paying attention to your stats. I think a lot of people don't even realize their stats. I, I coach people in league who tell me they're good at certain things, and then they're they have much lower win ratios on those things than they do on other champions, right? Um, like pay attention to your stats, start monitoring your stats, set benchmarks, like, you know, try to make everything organized so that you can see what you need to improve at. That, no that'd be my advice. Yeah. Know where you're at before you can start anywhere. I like it. Mm. Okay. Now, um, let's kind of talk more business um, because you do this as a profession now and yeah. people are paying you to do this and you have sponsors, correct? Um, I have partners. I, I, I don't think I can say this sponsors. Yeah. Okay. What does that mean? Oh, the, the difference. Yeah. What? There's usually a give and take in the part uh, in a partnership. Whereas sponsors, um, you're giving them one thing and you're usually getting money. Whereas like partnerships, you're usually trading something. I okay. would say. Okay. At least in my experience in the, in the industry. Yeah. All right. Wonderful. Now what important lessons would you say you've, you've learned about business as you've grown? I think, you know, what most everyone learns is it's a lot about the relationships you build. You, and like I was saying earlier, you, you want to learn a little bit of, about everything so that you're not always in, left in the dark. And, but you still, like you were saying, you still need other people. Um, and finding those good people is really what's going to help you like progress. Wonderful. Okay. Where do you see your business going in the future? Like you're coaching individuals now. What plans do you have? So I'll be releasing a website uh, pretty soon, which is a course website by Teachable, and it's going to be essentially a guide to improving at League of Legends. Um, I have some idea of even expanding that to other games. Uh, I My community is getting more into being like the old kind of community where we're going to be actually hosting tournaments again and doing a little bit of, of events. Okay. 
All right, that's fantastic. This is so fun. Um, let's see, um, would you have any advice for someone who'd wanna be a coach? What, what do you think like are the, the bare fundamentals you would need in order to be a coach and then how do they move up from there? Yeah, so I, I think that entirely depends on like what kind of coach you're trying to be. Like I personally coach like how to climb, like how to actually like improve and see pr progression. So if I was a low rank, that really, really wouldn't really make sense, right? You have to at least prove that you can do what you're doing. I do think you can be a coach and like not be a high rank, but you'd normally be, you'd be coaching a different uh, aspect, um, like a mentality coach, right? And so I think first you need to identify like, what is it that you can bring to a player of a higher rank? Unless again, I, you can also identify that you might be a mid tier player and you just want to teach new players, which would be fine. I, I think the first step is figuring out like exactly what you want to do, you know, um, in coaching. Cause coaching is a pretty broad term. All right. Figuring out your niche, the great advice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, let me check my questions. So we, we've blown through these business questions. This is fantastic. Uh, let's, let's talk about you kind of as a gamer. Um, so what's your favorite game of all time? So I, I think it would have to be uh, ABA. I, I have thousands of hours in that game, literally. So um, I think that would be up there in terms of the overall picture. Although in terms of playing, I think Super Smash Brothers Melee is my favorite game to play. Um, I have some good games, but when it comes to the community, like I, I think Halo 3 community was great. And there's a, another old niche game called Conquer Online. I think those, those are my top four for different reasons. Okay, wonderful. Um, are there any games coming out soon that you're looking forward to? The Halo 3 release on PC, I, I'm pretty excited for. I am playing Reach in the meantime, but I think a lot of us are waiting for Halo 3. Um, and I know some of you are waiting for Halo 2. Um, All right. You look Legends of... Oh, oh, sorry. I was going to say, are you looking to do Halo 3 just kind of casually, or are you going to do it a little competitively? It depends on how much time I have. I, I pretty much like to play almost everything competitively if, I'm, if I have the time. So, okay. you know, play, that's the kind of environment I enjoy. Okay. Now, you've had a lot of success in your, your short time on this earth. It's, it's absolutely incredible. You're able to do essentially something that you love, and that's, you know, most people's dreams. Uh, but if it's okay, I want to humble you just a little bit for a second, and I want to ask, what's something that you failed at? So most games that I go to, I do try to build up a community in, in those games. And there's been one game, uh, Blast Squad, which is actually pretty similar to ABA, which is why I try to move to it. And I was unable to get that community to be like coherent and like really work together. Um, and so I just lost the motivation to work with that, with that community. But that, I, I count that as my failure because I, I imagine there's some way I could have uh, enabled the community to come together. Yeah. Now looking back on it, what do you think would have done that? I think I should have pursued the publisher's support a lot earlier. Cause I think if you don't have enough rewards for the player, it gets hard and they start trying to think of their own ways of doing rewards. I came out with some, some things by myself. Um, but I think having the support from the publisher, like, again, I went from not having any support from any publishers to having support from lots of publishers and, and there's a, it's a giant difference. And so I think you should try a, a little bit. It's just hard at first because if you don't show that you've already done something, it's hard to get support. So I, I think I should have done like maybe a few like test events instead of trying to build a community. And then with the test events, go to the publisher and then start the community. I think that would have been a good way of doing it. Okay. Wonderful advice for someone who wants to start a community. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, now what's um, presently, you know, right today, what's something you would say you're not very good at? Hmm. So I think, so earlier I talked about the different kind of coaching, right? And I think mentality coaching isn't my forte because 
I have a pretty strong mentality in terms of I'm going to get good at these, you know, these stepping stones and get past these and really improve. And that's where I keep my mentality grounded. Right. But not everyone ha like thinks in that way. And I actually have a little bit of uh, trouble like teaching those people my way. Cause it's, I think it's, you know, just a different personality type. And so I usually do like refer them to actual mentality coaches. So that's my, my weaker suit. Unless you, you're someone like me who can tie into like statistics and use that as your, as your, your grounded, to be grounded in your stats and use that for your improvement and to keep you motivated, then I, I can teach you that. But if you're more, is more like emotional or, you know, things like that, it, it's not something I'm great at. Okay. Very nice. Now, um, you know, it's, you know, going back to my, my, my first real question, which is on a scale of one to 10, how weird are you? Um, it's a little weird to have a career in video games, like at least as far as society looks at it. So what, what's something you think people misunderstand about you when like they say, Oh, what do you do? And you're like, oh, I'm a, an esports coach. <laughs> so yeah, I think the first question I get after I tell someone that is, do you make money? It's like, they don't even think like, I say you in like something you can live off of or anything. So yeah, I think that's misunderstood. They don't even know that it's a industry that exists. Most people, I think so. Okay. Where do you see the industry going? That's a big question. Uh, I think in, I'll, I'll think of it in terms of league, which is already in the college scene. Yeah. And, and that's progressing to the high school scene. I've seen actually on some record, recruiting websites, like there's even high schools trying to look for coaches now. It's going to be pretty big, I think. It's just the, from a coaching perspective, there aren't enough coaches with enough experience to fill not just all the college, but high schools, you know? So like, there's going to be a big growing pain there in terms of the, the faculty required to do all this okay you know it's it's better than you know i guess you're not that much younger than i am so you know back when we were in college you know it was still kind of still new people like it wasn't there's arenas now for this stuff there was not arenas back then yeah i mean i i think about this sometimes like i went to college and there was no league of legends group at my college that was afterwards <laughs> okay now so what's the, um you're fairly involved in the esports community what's the community of esports players and coaches and teams and and so on like I think for the main part, I think most of the communities are pretty good. Once, once you get into like the competitive side, um, I think there's a good amount of mutual respect for everyone trying to improve. Um, and then I think it's also pretty laid back in comparison to like other industries where I, I naturally type like using full punctuation and stuff. And a lot of people just tell me like, you don't have to do that. I'm like, oh, sorry. It's just like a habit I got from RuneScape days. So. Yeah. typing with proper spelling and punctuation. I know yeah, yeah. it drives yeah. people crazy when I text them like with a period, like, what? yeah, yeah. I do that all the time. And people always call me on it and it's not even something I'm thinking about, but you know, there's something they notice. Yeah. And my mama taught me right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, so the, the business side of gaming. So you have lots of gamers out there who are all trying to have their own little businesses. Um, does it seem like people know what they're doing when it comes to business? Are there people who are just kind of winging it? There's some sharks out there. What's that like? Yeah, I think there are a lot of people who have a, a goal and they're kind of waiting to reach that goal to start doing what they actually want to do. Like, for example, I think there are a lot of streamers who are waiting for an audience to do the things they would do with, with, like, with an audience. But I think from the main part, you should, you should be already be doing that. Cause I think the things that you would be doing would help you grow the audience in the first place. 
I actually notice that pretty often. That's like one of the most common advice I give the people who are, you know, affiliates trying to become partners is don't, don't wait to become a partner to start collaborating. Don't wait to become a partner to, you know, reach out and do community events. Like you can do that stuff beforehand. That's going to help you reach that point in the first place. Right. That's fantastic advice. Live as if. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. if you're already there. Yeah. I think that's true for, for a lot of things. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Now, um, you know, gamerpreneurs, people who are trying to make money doing this as a living, what's something you see them doing wrong? That's a hard one because I'm starting, I'm trying to think who, what kind of people are really trying to make a living in esports. Um, and there are some streamers, but I think if I would say what some of the streamers are doing wrong, it would be having like unrealistic expectations with like a, such a small following or no following. I think some people have like really high expectations when they first get into streaming. I don't interact with very many new event hosts. And I think coaches, I think a lot of people could be here. I'll say for more positive spin on this is I think a lot of people who have something already going could be scaling up for sure. I, I'm, I believe a lot of coaches could be scaling up um, to not just coach more people, but to make like, for example, I'm doing courses or you can, um, you can start doing, you know, YouTube videos, or I, I have a plan of uh, reaching out to colleges for not just me coaching their team, but actually like just doing one-off um, seminars, things along those lines. I think there's a lot of scaling up that you can do in the esports industry, and I think people try to stay in their lane a little bit too much, or maybe don't realize that there are these opportunities. Okay, that's fantastic. That's what this podcast is all about: is you know, illuminating people on the fact that this stuff is out there and they can do it too. Yeah, definitely. There, well, there's, absolutely- there's always a way. Wonderful interview, Curry. Thank you so much. Now, how do people uh, get a hold of you? Where do they find you? Where are you at on social media? Yeah, if you look up Kurioku, that's going to find it. K-U-R-Y-O-K-U. And I had that tag everywhere. So that's where you can find me. <laughs> okay, beautiful. Now, it's been a, a wonderful interview, but is there anything that we missed or didn't talk about you think we need to cover still? Yeah, uh, there's one more thing I would actually like, like to say. Okay, what's that? <clears throat> It's like one more like more personal advice um, that I remember is kind of similar to the whole don't wait till you have viewers on Twitch to like try to do things or make YouTube videos. Um, similarly, you would don't, like don't hold back. Like you can keep moving forward. Um, I think you talked about like on your first podcast. Like it doesn't matter if you have you're recording on your phone, right? Like keep do do what you want to be doing and it's okay for it not to be good at the first. It's, like, no one expects it to be good at first. You know, like you're, that's supposed to be a learning experience. And, you know, you eventually, if, if you're enjoying it, you'll, you'll find the time and maybe you'll have the success to upgrade your, you know, your materials and maybe get more, like, for example, something I'm doing is like getting more testimonials. Um, those things will come, you know, just get started and try, try not to be too much of a perfectionist. I did that for a couple of years. <laughs> Now, I want to bounce off what you just said, getting testimonials, because I think testimonials are one of the most important part of doing anything ever, because it gives you all kinds of credibility, gives you social proof. The biggest mistake I see people making is not asking for them, though. And if you've done a good job, anybody's going to say yes. Like, it's just it's a no-brainer to say yes. Yeah, I, I think for a while, I didn't ask for testimonials. This is something I'm, I've been thinking about in the last like, six months, but um, I, I wish I had already had them, right? I, I, instead of like going back to people I've worked with in like the last year or two years, some of them like a longer period of time, I, I wish I'd asked them in, the, in that time for sure. Okay. Well, Kurioku, thank you so much. It's been a fantastic interview. Uh, we've really learned a lot about esports on this one. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
Absolutely. All right, you take it easy. <laughs> See ya. Hey, if you like this podcast, I'd love to invite you to check out a little bit more about me, Dr. Bradford Carlton, Gamerpreneur. If you go to my website, www.thegamerpreneur.com slash bonus, I'm going to give you a free copy of my book, The Warcraft of Business, where I explain my history in both gaming and business and how I brought the two together in order to create some very successful companies and help a lot of people. And all you got to do is pay for shipping and processing, and I'll send you this book. I absolutely know you're going to love it. All right. You all take it easy.